This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, let's see, this is Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. It's June 15th, episode 2954. Good morning, horse people. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge. The day you risk it all. The day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. Hang on, we're hitching a ride. Daddy, I want another pony. I put 40 hours in this weekend, man, it's only Wednesday. I've been cussing this damn heat all day long, there's got to be another way. So I pick up my guitar and I write a song. Uh, so, Jamie, we talk about Hello? a lot of serious stuff on this show. Okay, and uh, you know we've 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 had a lot of deaths in the horse world recently. We've talked about that. We've done tributes. Um, what's one complaint we always get from people, or we've gotten in the past? Not always, but we've gotten in the past is we don't talk about horses early in the show. So we changed that and we started doing a horse story early in the show. So we do all of this stuff, and the thing that stirs up the most emotions from any show we've done this year. In the auditor room was your discussion on how often we wash sheets <laughs> on Monday. Uh, listen, I just sla- I, pu- I put new sheets on the bed and they were horrible, terrible sheets. And it turns out I slept like the sleep of angels for the next three nights. And uh, apparently I just need to actually change my sheets and I'll sleep better. Not, not buy new sheets. I just, it, as uncomfortable as they were, I slept really well. So apparently it, it, it became li- team oh. ja- Jamie against team Glenn and I'm, team Glenn was wash your sheets at least weekly or every two weeks. Team Jamie was never wash the sheets ever in your entire life. Apparently that was not team Jamie. <laughs> team Jamie's just not as anal as team Glenn about making sure that every Saturday we have an appointment with the, the washing machine. Well, I went through the 80 to 100 comments that were on that, and it seems to be, like everything else in the world right now, about 50-50. 50% wash their sheets on a regular basis, 50% are Team Jamie and are living in filth. I really so. felt that. I don't live in filth. <laughs> I, I really felt it when the one person was like, I just sweep the dirt off of it before I get in. And I was like, yes, that you are my people. That, that makes me ask, how often do you sweep the floor? See, that's where I go next with that. Uh, it's a carpet glen <laughs> okay it that's d- even it worse it just goes right in it <laughs> it's even worse so yeah this was the thing that caused the most commotion and then the conversations got started around it like do you wash your pets in the sink in the kitchen sink and all these other why things why would you not wash your pet in the sink if it fits <laughs> I, I admit we have done that especially cats where else are you going to watch the cat that you won't die so there's that yeah, so there we go. The serious topics that apparently people want to hear on this show. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so we're going to talk about horses today or something else, would you? Uh, it's up in the air. Right now, first we're <laughs> going to talk about cooking uh, with Pat, who is our favorite Italian, and she's going to do a recipe for somebody who's sick, like Whittle Glenn, which, by the way, I can't believe you're not coming to the movement, yeah, stupid well, COVID. Stupid COVID. I'm still testing positive, and I'm coughing up a storm, so nobody wants to sit beside me in a plane for five hours. So Wear a mask, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to sit beside the guy in the plane coughing for five hours, nor does anybody living in the house with me want to hear it. Jennifer's ready to be away from me. I think she's happy she's going alone. To be yeah, but you know what? It's not a big loss. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> for Jen and I. <laughs> I agree. I'm glad you guys get to go. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, tomorrow we leave for the movement in California. We're going to go to Monty's Farm, uh, flag is up, and hang out and and be at the movement and play with horses and inspire. And I don't think I've ever needed a trip to Monty's worse than I need one right now. So I'm really excited. 
I am bummed about two big things. One is I do love to let, hang out with listeners. We did a trip last year for five weeks just to do that, right? And then I, I wanted to see you do your thing because I really haven't seen you do your thing since you got certified. So that's going to have to wait till maybe later in the year when we come out. But we also have a Daily Dose Health segment. Seth Noble of Noble Ferrari is going to stop by. He hand makes all of his horseshoes. I don't think there's too many left in the country that do that anymore. And it was, it, I listened, Jennifer did this interview. I listened to it. It was really interesting. And you have to stay to the very end because there's kind of a surprise at the end. But yeah, we, we had a farrier once when, when I first met Jennifer, he handmade all the shoes when he would come out. Uh, but that's, that's becoming a lost art, I think. My farrier, she makes the shoes if she needs to make the shoes. But if, if they're going to fit into ones that are made, then she puts those on. Yeah, so. I just, you know, there's, I think there's just a lot of farriers that, you know, don't make them at all anymore. You know, it's well, just kind of an art. If you want somebody like, like who's going to be able to do that, you look for a certified journeyman farrier. And we actually interviewed my farrier on here a while ago. Her name is Mackenzie Lawson. So you can go to Horses in the Morning and search for that. And it's a chick who's certified journeyman. And they do competitions and like make shoes for competitions and special shoes. It's pretty cool. So I'm excited to hear this interview. We had the draft horses then, and he used to make the draft horse shoes. And that was a piece of steel. <laughs> that is 97 pounds. Yeah, and it was... Uh, it, was, it wasn't cheap either, <laughs> to be honest. All right, let's do some Daily Winnies. <laughs> We've got some birthdays. Some auditor birthdays, Nick Hayes, Mary Ellen Murphy, Misty Whitehouse, Robin Donahue, who had a big surgery the other day. We're thinking about you, Robin. Hope you're getting better every day. And Heather Lindroth, happy birthday to all of you. A whole bunch this time. I tried to go through the weekend so we wouldn't miss anybody. I hope I accomplished my goal. Well, I would like to give my daily Winnie out to the brand new adopter of True Grit, Christine in Oakland. John in Wayne Ocala. got a home. Oh, yeah. True Grit is going to Ocala, Glenn. Really? He's going to be neighbors with you. John so, Wayne's yes. coming to Ocala. Yes, I'm very excited. He was just, a, you know, and it's funny. Um, this is just a testament to how great Horse and Hound is. So the more I sat on him, the longer I sat on him, he just, you know, I mean, he's number 102, okay, of horses that I've restarted from Horse and Hound. And when I would sit on him, I just, like, his ears would be half back, not pinned, but kind of half back. And he never seemed to, like, super relax when I was riding him. And, uh, you know, usually the longer I ride them, the more settled they get. Well, he just, he got increasingly tense. Okay. And I just said to Nelda, and there was this, like, if you look at his back, it goes down. There's like a tiny little lump right over like his lumbar vertebrae, right before the sacrum, his lower back. And I was like, God, I've just had so many horses with kissing spine. I'm just, you know what? I'm just, I can't, I can't. And I knew this girl was interested in him. I talked to her a million times and I just said, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I was like, no, I can't adopt him out with this potential issue. We need to take him into Oak Ridge equine and get his back x-rayed, which is a trip to the hospital. And she's like, okay, take him. Cause it's actually on the way up to her place. So I, I drive him up and I stop off at Oak Ridge. I unload him. The x-ray is back and he has no kissing spine. How? No kissing spine, but that little lump that I, I felt and I saw, they saw it too. And turns out it's just some, uh, residual soft tissue damage from racing. And they said, get him an adjustment and give him some time off and he'll be fine. So I called Christine down in Ocala and I was like, did you need time off? She's like, I'm, I'm not going to restart him until at least the fall. So that's perfect. So the right horse went to the right owner and I'm really excited. And I'm just so grateful to horse and hound, you know, I could have just sent the horse down, but I didn't feel a hundred percent about it. And neither did horse and hound and they pay for those x-rays and I just cost them a lot of money. And uh, it turns out it's fine, but I can sleep better and they can sleep better. And the new adult, 
slept or can sleep better. So I just I'm just, I just stuck on the to... fact that you went to the vet and nothing was wrong. Right? <laughs> Still stuck I mean, on that doesn't I'm happen sorry. too often. Is that a four year old racehorse that doesn't have kissing spine? That's amazing. You know, no, just kidding. But like I just yeah, you know, I there was just you you know the diagnosis is in QR, just not quite right. Just not quite right. But I just wanted to make sure. And apparently, you know, like when you put the saddle and you're sitting, I was sitting right on that little lump. So, and, and he's very recently off the track. So he didn't get a whole couple months of downtime uh, because he was so sweet and willing and happy. And that's the thing is like when he was sweet and willing and happy on the ground and then I get on and he's not, then I'm like, oh, okay, something's going on. And it just progressively displayed itself. Um, and I did treat, uh, they also give me ulcer guards. So I did treat him for ulcers and you know, my, my, I use the same saddle and pad on every horse. So they tend to fit fairly well, you know, as far as they, they've, I've used, used the same one on all of my Wintech and, and a eco gold pad and it seemed to be going fine. And it just, like I said, I'm just really grateful to horse and hound and Nelda to not question my intuition and Thank God there's no kissing spine. Yay! We're going to see how thankful the horse is. John Wayne is after he gets here to Florida in the summertime. (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, he's going to leave probably July 1st. (laughs) I mean, it sucks here too, but like it sucks worse. Let's be (laughs) honest. Thousand percent humidity. Hey, a couple of notes. You know, when you run a uh, network like ours with as many shows as we have, you have shows that come and go all the time. I have a couple of announcements. One is the Plaidcast is leaving the Horse Radio Network. They're still going to be around. They're run by the Plaid Horse Magazine. They're just taking it off on their own, going to do their own thing with it. So if you subscribe to the Plaid Horse on any player, it's just going to still be there. There won't be any change for you at all. If you listen to the Plaid Horse on the Horse Radio Network All Shows feed, yes, we have one of those, every episode of every show. Um, then it won't be there anymore, so you'll have to subscribe there. And uh, one leaves and one comes. We have Heather Wallace and Natalie Keller Reinhardt, who are authors, big authors in the horse world, and they wanted to start a show. And this has been one of the most requested shows I've that we've gotten. We've always had the request from 40, 50-year-old women who are getting back into horses and, and you know, all the struggles that go with that. And that's the kind of show that Heather and Natalie are going to do. They put out the first episode of Adulting with Horses, it's called. This is a not-safe-for-work show because Jamie's hang- hung out with Heather. and <laughs> We might have drank together. Yeah. Heather is not safe for work on a good day. So, um, <laughs> so this is an adult show show meant for adult women does so, it have like one of those ratings it's gonna ratings? it's gonna be rated as it's not rated family friendly and apple no it's rated as adult so um oh, wow. so, so yeah if you want to take a listen to that it's called adulting with horses it's Love showing up on almost all the players now it's going to be in the all shows feed for horse radio network and it'll be on our player at the end of the month update when we do the update at the end of the month so if you listen on the horse radio network app it will be there as well but the first episode's out. These two are a lot of fun. I lo- I've known them for years and years and years, and I'm so happy that they're bringing the show out here on the Horse Radio Network. So congratulations to those two for doing that. And that answers a need that a lot of our listeners have had. All right, let's go to our recipe of the month, which I am actually making tonight. Jennifer's picking up a couple of the ingredients on her way home from the barn. And I love this soup anyway, and I'm feeling like soup. Let me guess. She has to buy all the things that say fresh in front of it. Actually, no. This time I had the fresh fresh stuff. It's the canned... Things I didn't have. So. Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. You're actually going to use some of the vegetables hey, in your pantry. I got to tell fridge. you, we're going to call Pat right now, but I have to tell you that out of my fancy backyard garden, I got two peppers and three green beans yesterday. Oh, wow. That's a big <laughs> haul. <laughs> I haven't had to buy peppers. We've been getting enough Did peppers. Did you say two green beans? Yeah, there were two green beans. <laughs> You're going to starve to death. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do with two green beans, to be honest. <laughs> Toss them in the soup. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to do. All right, let's call Pat. It's time to welcome our favorite Italian princess to the show. It is Pat <laughs> Rea. Hey, Pat. Hi, guys. How are you today? Well, you know, apparently I'm the only one who's doing all right because Glenn has COVID and you have COVID. I do. I'm telling you. Wow. This How has you... got to stop. Yeah, I agree. How are you feeling? <laughs> Good. 
Uh-huh. I'm feeling good. I'm just like sneezing all the time and, you know, that kind of nuisance stuff. But other than that, it's not laying me real low, so that's good. That's good. Well, you've got a, a um, recipe today that is the COVID fighter, and I would even recommend quadrupling the number of uh, garlic cloves that you're going to put in <laughs> just to, to to push it on out. Well, we're going to do it's pasta e fagioli. Did I say that right? Pasta e fagioli. That's right. You did. Pasta fagioli. Um, because no matter what Dean Martin tells you, there is no Zool in pasta pasta fagioli. There is no pasta fagioli. That doesn't exist. It's okay. pasta e fagioli, which literally means pasta and beans. Fagioli means beans. Okay, fantastic. Well, it's uh, reading the ingredients sounds delicious. So why don't you run through it with us and... Uh, you know, Glenn, where is this recipe available afterwards? Because I know I want to make it'll, it. It'll be on right in your show notes, right there on your player. Just scroll over, and it, we're going to put it right in the show notes, right there. So you'll have All it right. right on your phone. Perfect. All right, Pat, what is it? Okay, well, here it is. This is um, a traditional Italian dish that's like poverty food. You know what I mean? People uh, are having a rough time today. So what you what you do to beat inflation is you make this kind of thing and you make a lot of it and throw some of it in the freezer. It is a traditional Italian soup, I guess. You would call it a soup. So you're going to start with uh, some olive oil, about three teaspoons, I mean uh, tablespoons, and, and a chopped onion and a chopped carrot and a chops, and some chopped celery, a stalk. Not a, yeah, just one rib, a rib. Um, and two large cloves of garlic. You can put more garlic in there if it makes you happy. Just chop it all up. <laughs> stick it all. Stick all of that in the large pot in, in which you're heating the olive oil. You're going to saute it for a while. Um, and then what you're going to do is you're going to add uh, red pepper flakes. I have wild animals here. Pepper, red pepper <laughs> flakes. Sometimes chili flakes. Depends on how how much how hot you like it. We don't like it real, real hot, but um, we uh, we like it to have a little bit of taste. And you're going you're gonna to throw in some Italian seasoning, uh, you know, the typical Italian seasoning that you get in, um, you know, in a jar, right? Or in a yep. container. Yep. Um, and then you're going to saute that for a while, just, you know, to mix it all together. Now, here's the thing that you're going to love, Jamie. Okay. You can use chicken stock. Six cups of chicken stock, chicken broth, right? Is that you get in the little container, the little uh, box, right? Or if you want to make it this, you want to make this a totally vegetarian dish, you use vegetable stock. Cool, I love it. Um, and that's six six cups of that. So you want to cover all this stuff uh, with it, and you want to bring it. Um, and you want to throw in some diced tomatoes. I use, you can use fresh tomatoes, but I generally use the um, the ones that come in a can that are mixed with garlic and parsley. You know, they're just like, a, it's a 15 ounce can. It's a little can. The, the, this, your store brand uh, uh, is probably your best bet. Okay. And uh, so you throw all that in the pot and you let it all cook for a while. Okay. You um, you bring it to a boil and then you 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 take it down to a strong simmer because you're going to put your pasta in. If this calls for what is um, generally called um, ditalini pasta. Those are those little tiny pastas. They have little holes in them, you know, but they're little tiny. They're short. I don't like those. I don't use them. But traditionally, that's what you put in a pasta fagioli dish. I use little shells, um, you know, the, the, the little tiny ones. And right. it just makes it for a nice, isn't toothsome uh, 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 taste in your mouth, mouthfeel, as opposed to the, the other pasta, which I don't care for very much. Anyway, you're going to get it into a strong simmer. You're going to throw in um, about a half a pound of those little shells. And you're going to cook them, you know. Keep them going. Keep it simmered until they're al dente. Al dente means, a lot of people are hearing this term a lot. Al dente means to the tooth, to taste. Dente, the tooth, right? So when something is al dente, you want it to be a little bit chewy. You don't want it mushy. You don't want it hard. You want it al dente. 
And so you cook your little uh, uh, noodles in the soup that you've made, right? Um, and the last thing that you add is a can of cannellini beans, okay? It's a 15-ounce can. Um, and those are those little white beans. They're, mm-hmm. they're the kinds of beans that are traditionally used in pasta fagioli. I throw those in last because I don't want them to get mushy. And then you're going to throw in some parsley. And I would cook it just a little bit more. The, you know, the, you're going to drain the beans right before you put them in the, in, in the pot. Um, and you just let it cook a little bit so that everything gets the flavor. Just simmer it a little bit so you get the nice, nice taste. And, uh, and then you just add your salt and pepper to taste. And the pot keeps tasting it, keep tasting it. And when it's exactly the way you want it, the pasta is nice and, and, and al dente. The beans have that wonderful flavor and they've contributed to the, to the body of the soup. You're done. Perfect. It's perfect. I love now, this. I, I just, well, Glenn, I have a question yeah. because I cook a dinner every night. And yeah. what is the proper way to tell if the the pasta is al dente because what I do is I just keep picking them out and eating them. And then I'm like, Oh, that's too hard. You know, really? <laughs> no, that's that's it. it. No science. It's all you can do. I mean, what are you going to do? Because it's your teeth, right? It's, it's your teeth. It's telling you whether it's done or not done. Right. Or too done. It's your teethies, your toothies. <laughs> so there's no fancy <laughs> timer needed. It's just like, yeah, just get in there. Don't burn your tongue uh, and get in there. and Yeah. Taste it. yeah. You know what? The boxes of pasta usually say 11 minutes, depending on the size of the pasta, you know, and all that. Forget it. It's hooey. Just taste it. <laughs> you know, hey, the hard part right using gluten-free pasta is tough because it goes from being al dente to mush in about 10 seconds. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Real quick. So what I yeah. do with stuff like this for for using gluten-free pasta is I'll make it and then I'll cook the pasta actually separately and I throw it in at the last minute because otherwise yeah. it's just going to be mush. I mean, yeah, there's just, no accounting You can for do taste. that too. Ignore him. That is ridiculous. <laughs> well, no, that you, no, you can do that too. You have to because um, sometimes it, I'll even cook the pasta separate and throw it in the, in the, in the soup uh, later just so that it doesn't get overcooked or undercooked. Good call. Yeah. Now, the other thing is, um, you know, a lot of people pick an Olive Garden, but the, I learned to like pasta vajoul. Now, they use hamburger in theirs, um, but I like, uh. I, I like pasta vajoul. <laughs> I, learned to cook, I learned to like it there, and then I got their recipe, and I have made that several times. But again, that, that actually has different ingredients than yours does. So we're actually trying yours tonight. Jennifer's picking up Listen, the ingredients. So. Pat, ignore okay, so everything here's the thing. he says. Please, <laughs> so tell here's me why he has no class. I have, you, you have no class. I have a girlfriend. <laughs> I have a girlfriend who makes pasta fagioli with ham. I'm sorry. That's bean soup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pasta a fagioli in, in, in all, in, in all due respect to the folks at the Olive Garden that are toiling in the kitchen over hot pasta, hot uh-huh. boiling pasta, sure. pasta. Um, this is a meatless meal. Okay, so if you make it truly meatless, you're not going to use the chicken broth. You're going to use the vegetable broth. That's, you know, you want it to be totally meatless. This is what Italian people ate on Friday when the church had uh, no meat eating rule on the books. And this is what Italian people ate when they were poor. This is poverty food. The taste is phenomenal, like most Italian poverty food. The taste is phenomenal, but it's cheap, right? It's pasta and beans. Yeah, it's a little bit of your vegetables. You can't get much cheaper than that. Yeah. Right? Amen, sister. Well, I'm Amen. trying it tonight, so I'll see if it's better than Olive Garden's. That's going to be the test. Oh, I think you're going <laughs> to love it. And you know what? Here's the deal. Um, I when I make this, not it's not that it's terribly time consuming, but I have to give it to everybody. I have to give some to my uncle Jack, who is in his eighties, and nobody cooks this stuff for him anymore. And my girlfriend Gracie, uh, uh, who would never in a million years dream of doing this herself. So I always make a double or triple batch, and I throw what's left in the freezer. And it's nice um, to call, be able to haul it out of the freezer, have a nice uh, uh, chunk of crunch crusty bread. You can even put cheese on this grated cheese, you know, while you're eating it. Um, and it's fabulous. It's a fabulous staple to keep in the freezer. 
I have a question. When you put soup in the freezer, what kind of container do you put it in? I just use a regular plastic freezer container. Okay. It's never it's never in there that long, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Jennifer puts it in the baggies. And you know, in single you serving can do that size. Too. Yeah. So that's what she Yeah, does. you can, it'll take up it to be truthfully to be truthful with you, um, the baggie is going to give you more room in the freezer. That's why she does it, it lays flat. Yeah. 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 But you know, I like I said, it's not in there that long. Okay. Then so. uh, my last question for you is to settle the argument that Glenn and I've had for years. <laughs> I think that microwaves are the devil because why is my food hot and the walls of the microwave are not like they're it's injecting cancer into your food. <laughs> All right, Pat, when you reheat this, do you put it on the stove or do you stick in the microwave? What do you do? I put it in a pot. Amen. And I cook it on the stove. You guys are I heat time it wasters. Stove. And here's the reason. Here's the other reason. You know, it gives it a, a different taste. You have a different uh-huh. taste when you're when you're when you're thawing out uh, uh, and, and and heating it, reheating it in the pot. It just does. Plus, you're not gonna if you're reheating it, you're not gonna your pasta is not gonna commit suicide. You know <laughs> that I mean? is it's one problem with the cook. microwave. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> you're oh right. Oh my god, fantastic! Well, you don't want to kill the ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people learn more about you and and see your books and see your poems and all the things? Oh, uh, you can go to Facebook. You can look at what Italians really eat. That's got a lot of the recipes on there, and also PD Rea poetry. They can read my poetry um, if that makes them happy. And uh, otherwise, I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. I'm real easy to find. All right. Fantastic. Pat Rea, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we love you. Or at least I love you. Glenn is I love oh, you too. So I do. I love oh, Pat. I know. Listen, feel better, Glenn. You too. Huh? <laughs> you too. And everybody else with COVID right, right now. <laughs> really, really. Bye, you guys. Bye, Have a Pat. fabulous day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Have you ever tried gluten free noodles? Yes, I bought them by accident. Ugh. I, there's, there are good ones and there are bad ones, but they're so hard to cook because they're either too chewy, you can't eat them, or they're mush. I mean, it, there's a fine line. It's it, When I say this 30 seconds, it's about 30 seconds that it goes from one to the other. They're so tough to cook with. Anyway, uh, this health segment today is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, a non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Jennifer got to catch up with Seth Noble. He makes all of his own horseshoes, which is kind of interesting today. And there's an interesting twist at the end of the conversation, so hold on for that. It was one that uh, I was not expecting, so uh, listen to the very end. And I'd like to welcome Seth Noble from Noble Farriery to the show. (laughs) (laughs) He's a newbie here on our podcast. So he was silly enough to say, sure, I'll do an interview with you. (laughs) So Seth, tell us where you are based out of. Our business is based out of Seattle, Washington. We serve all the surrounding communities, Northwest, East and South. So uh, when, when did you get into farriery? Was this a career that you started into early on? I went to a horse camp when I was little. My parents for some reason thought it'd be a good idea to send me and it turned out to be my love. And I learned that being a cowboy wasn't going to pay me very well enough for a family. So I had watched some cowboys shoot their horses and it looked really interesting in a great way to be around horses and make a living, which is what those were my goals at the time. So I went, as soon as I learned that I could go to horseshoeing school, I found up right away and loved it and, started my business at Ellensburg, met my wife there. We, she wanted to move to the big city, Seattle. And so we did, and it was a great thing for my business and for my education. Farriery, like so many careers, is a constant and continuing learning process, is it not? It is a really interesting learning process because, I mean, it's a classic and kind of corny analogy, but the onion layer thing is is absolutely true. And it keeps circling back to the same concepts and understanding them on deeper levels. And then because we shoe the same horse every four to six weeks, we 
get to see the effects of our educated guesses or peeling back the onion layers. Let's try this and see what happens because what I was doing over here wasn't producing a good result. It's an amazing thing that every six weeks, and I'm not even joking, for the past 26 years, I, every six weeks I can see improvement and more depth of knowledge. And there's, and I see more patterns in the horses that I need to figure out. And it's a kind of a an amazing thing to watch a pattern, get it figured out, how to address it, what's the best way to treat it. And then another pattern will emerge that you realize was there all along. This just didn't see it. Well, one of the reasons I hopped on over and contacted you to come on the show and talk a little bit was you have a particular emphasis on the blacksmithing aspect <laughs> of being a farrier. The blacksmithing aspect being the art and science of manipulating steel that goes on horses sh- on horses feet or might be aluminum or even titanium these days what got you interested in developing that skill well i, I noticed about 10 years into my business that i i wasn't 100% happy with the fit that i was getting on the shoes and the the nailing opportunities like we call them but like where the nail holes lined up um, wasn't specific to that horse. So sometimes it was made me a little nervous or cause it was too close or it was too fine for a particular horse. So I knew if nailing it was, it, it would split the wall out basically uh, that kind of thing. I noticed a bunch of other things that I felt like I was compromising on by not making my own shoes. And so I also realized that the blacksmithing part is a traditional and old part of horseshoeing and and it allows us to be really versatile and really custom for each horse. And of course, I knew it was something that I needed to learn and master if I was really going to call myself a professional or any kind of master of horseshoeing. It was an aspect that I needed to be really good at. So I started uh, making them and learning, I just dove in and I loved it. And it actually satisfied a big artistic need from, for me and my spirit. Um, and I loved the results, being able to fit the heel where I wanted to fit it and put the clips where I thought they needed to be, the nail holes as fine or coarse as I thought they needed to be for that particular horse at that time. And so it, over the past 12 years of, gotten a lot better at it and faster and it it just allows me to be so particular to every horse i don't think it's 100 percent necessary for all horses but it also allows me to not carry as much inventory in my van i can go out every day to shoe with four pieces of steel four bars of steel because i work on four to five horses a day and i that's all I need because I can cover every size, every nail hole. That's an interesting point. You're right. You can right. take that piece of steel a, and make it fit. <laughs> right. I can fit every horse. I make a bar shoe, I make a, whatever needs to be made. So in that sense, it makes it very minimal and simplistic and, uh, and also specific and horses change a lot so that being able to fit like a low foot, big and a, and a high foot smaller and that type of thing is or or fit a medial wall with a fine nail line and a lateral wall with a coarse nail line has uh, has been really helpful to me so you talk a lot about nails and fitting explain to me and us for those of us who are not farriers what you <laughs> why it makes a difference whether what a coarse or fine nail is and why it makes a difference. Well, ideally the nails have a very specific place that they will be driven and that will be just on or to the outside of the white line, which is uh, the junction between the sole and the hoof wall. If you're looking at the bottom of a horse's foot and if you drive that nail too far in or inside the white line, you have a risk of big 
chance of hitting sensitive structures, which is called quicking. And that the horses don't like that. If you drive the nail too far outside of the white line into the hoof wall, kind of like driving a nail through the edge of a piece of wood, it will split it out. And so the strongest place to drive a nail is right along to the outside edge of the white line. And because horses vary so much in their hoof wall thickness, it's not always easy to find a particular shoe that has all the dimensions that you would want that also has the nail line that allows you to drive the nails in the strongest, safest part of that horse's hoof. So by making them myself, I can have whatever dimension or width of steel I would like for that shoe, and I can make the nails fit exactly into the strongest part of that horse's hoof. So it's just being able to really customize the fit, not just the fit in that the circumference of the shoe exactly matches the circumference of the hoof, but the fit in that the the attachment points, the nails, those are a precise fit as well. Well, that would make perfect sense because one of the most common issues that we all deal with as horse people, and the farriers get to deal with it especially, are those splitting hoof walls. So being able to get that nail exactly where it needs to be and reduce that splitting to its minimum. As a farrier, why would you say to the owner, I would like to make your horse's shoes by hand versus getting something that's uh, been pre-manufactured? Because they want to control the factors. The specific factors would be size and dimension and nail holes. Mm -hmm. That would be the reason. Like every horse to me is appropriate for that. Honestly, just because it it can be so custom to that horse at that time that Mm -hmm. they're, they're all basically good cases to, to make your own shoes. Do you carry different types of bar steel ones ones that are pre-fullered or is it always just plain flat steel so you can pick and choose exactly what you want to do to every shoe both um i carry two different or like profiles right one is just a flat bar and i carry that in typically two dimensions seven eighths wide and one inch wide oh that's a big shoe (laughs) <laughs> you, must write, yeah. you must work on big warm bloods, am I guessing, right? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also carry concave steel, which most fairs are familiar with, which has the groove that runs down the center of the entire bar. Mm-hmm. And it's pre-made and it's got a beveled edge that goes to the inside of the shoe that is also pre-made. And that is a steel that's manufactured in England and it makes a really nice um, traction shoe or all-around shoe. Uh, for jumpers, eventers, trail horses, backyard horses, occasionally dressage horses. Um, so I use those two. I usually use um, three dimensions in concave steel, three-quarter inch wide, seven-eighths inch wide, and one inch wide to be able to fit all the different sizes of horses. All the different sizes that you work on. How long would it take you to make that set of shoes for that horse versus um, taking a pair of keg shoes out and forming them into, I'm going to use my air quotes here, the best fit you can get. So I'm just looking, just flat out the time. I'm going to set aside the effect of quality of fit for a moment after 12 years. Because a lot of of farriers, they they really struggle with um, how much time do I have in my day I need to earn Absolutely. a living, so I need to maximize the value of my time. So compare those two. Is it is it a significant difference, a smaller difference? Has it changed over the years? It definitely has changed. I've gotten a lot faster. I mean, if we're talking about just putting front shoes on a horse, I could probably do it in just over an hour if I had to make new shoes for that horse. Um, and keg shoes... Uh, I mean, I'm I'm a little slower than most guys anyway, but it would probably take me 45 minutes to do it with pre-made shoes. So it's not going to be a significant difference, yeah? Not a big difference, 
but if you put it over um, a horse that's shot off on all four feet, it would be at least a half an hour difference. Mm-hmm. Well, and obviously um, your clients and your horses appreciate it because the horse is going to go and perform at his best if he's got the absolute best fit he can have, right? You, Absolutely. The, the riders notice that. And from personal experience, even at the le- lower level that I ride, a horse, when his shoes are fitted well or his and his feet are well balanced, et cetera, et cetera, you can feel a difference in how that horse performs. So obviously they see that value. So we're going to circle back a little bit towards the beginning. When you went to farrier school, was there uh, any emphasis at all or any uh, classes that you took or courses that you took that were dealt with creating shoes from scratch or how much forge work did you get when you were in school? Yeah, I thought my school was pretty good as far as that went. We did forge every day and all the forges area was open 24-7. So I would often practice at night and on the weekend. And we were encouraged to. We could use as much steel as we wanted. So I did get a good start as far as that goes. Of course, when you get out into the real world, it's a, and you're under pressure and, and you know your client's paying you for the horse, it's a little different. But, uh, but yes, uh, we had a lot of opportunity to learn and practice. It was it's interesting, though, because you get out into the real world and you learn that a lot of the stuff you were doing was wrong or backwards. Or <laughs> <laughs> Could be better. So yeah. You, yeah, but that's how it goes. The really interesting thing that we keep hitting on without knowing it, and that I have learned that over the course of these 12 years of making shoes, is how important the trim is. And that is really kind of paradoxical to me to learn this, but as in learning and putting myself through the rigors of and the time and effort that it takes to make shoes for this long every day for every horse, I have come to realize how important trimming is. And that is where most of the mistakes are made. So it's really interesting that the blacksmithing aspect has taught me the trimming aspect. Throw it down, Seth. Yeah, isn't it fascinating and worth talking about? Is and that so my business actually is based on how we trim. The fact that I make shoes, I think I do think it helps my horses, and I have horses competing at high levels. Like one of my clients was on the Olympic shortlist, and she is amazing. But so I I do think that they help, and I love being able to fit custom. But the way I trim has evolved so dramatically and so beneficially because of handmaking shoes. So it's an interesting paradox. Thank you very much, Seth, for spending a little time with me and taking a little bit of the mystery out of the art of blacksmithing as it applies to farriers in this day and age. For somebody who is curious about what you do, they want to speak with you about your work in the Northwest, learn a little bit about your business model where can they find you online uh, noblefarriery.com that's farriery there <laughs> which you is, go which is the correct the term horses. that's right right good for exactly. you exactly <laughs> yeah. daily dose equine offers a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-gmo ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination they are horse people themselves and have seen firsthand the difference that superior nutrition can have in our equine partners we invite you to learn more about daily dose equines origin their origin story and find a formula that's perfect for your equine partner at dailydoseequine.com now before we get to weird news today um i just wanted to let all the auditors know that there will be a post show and apparently jamie has some drama I know that's a surprise to everybody, but... uh, And it wasn't me. I didn't do it. (laughs) I was just a witness. Okay. (laughs) We'll talk about that in the post-show. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. 
Well, this first story will make you proud to be a member of the human race, sort of. <laughs> so these are weird news stories that are submitted by our listeners because they like, say you read a news story and you're like, wow, that's really weird. Then you email that to me. Email the link to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com and email me the link and uh, put weird news in the subject line. Now, I've got to clarify. Don't email me bad ads. Those go to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Another J, different name. Uh, so first we're going to start out the, and the, we're going to go to Morogora, Tanzania. Well, okay? wait, that's a first. <laughs> yeah, we have never been to Tanzania for uh, weird news, but they are doing something really, really sort of cool. They are teaching animals to go into earthquake debris wearing tiny backpacks and they're carrying walkie talkies. What is the animal that is being trained to make its way through rubble and find survivors? Rats, ginormous freaking rats. Okay. These are rats. And to be fair, they look fairly cute with their little outfits on. They are, they are a group of rats. <laughs> Please They've tell me they're like got, fluorescent orange outfits. They're yeah, they're now they now have seven. They're kind of like uh, these rats are huge, right? So they're like R-O-U-S's, if you know what that is. Uh, they're they're giant. They they look like um, it's like about the size of a football. They got a small Nerf football. It's huge. And it's got this red um, backpack thing and like a green harness. And the rodents go and basically like into the rubble and bring you a communication device. And they try, they're going to travel to Turkey, which is apparently prone to earthquakes, and work with a search and rescue team. Now, that sounds amazing. What would you do if you were laying in the rubble? I was just thinking that. Mind you. <laughs> I see a giant rat coming to my face. I was like, <laughs> you're like, I'm stuck in the rubble. And it's like, beep, 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 beep. You're going to be like, oh, my God. You know, you're going to smack it. You're going to hit it. You're going to hit it with a baseball. I don't know. You're going to figure out a way to get rid of the rat. Before I notice that it's wearing a backpack with a communication device, I'm going to freak out. Yeah, me too. Okay. I'm I just thinking a to- corgi would be better, you know. Some, right. A dog, you know, a cute little something, puppy. <laughs> something less, I don't know, scary. Yeah. <laughs> and and for those of you that have rats as pets, awesome. I have guinea pigs. They're way cuter. Train guinea pigs. Guinea pigs would be fine. Really yeah, that'd be they're a really hamster dumb, would be good, not a rat. <laughs> a rat, a giant rat. A squirrel. Like, How about a squirrel? Hey, <laughs> give me a call. Yeah, no, there you go. We're going to go to Colton, California. A woman is looking. Her name is Vicki Umoto, and she is looking for some furniture for her house. She was looking online at Craigslist, actually. She said, I scrolled down and saw free items, so I clicked on it. And the first thing, I came up with this family that wanted to give away their sofa and an entire bedroom set. And she's like, that's got to be a scam. She called. Turns out a loved one had recently passed, and they were handing off all of the loved one's items. Okay. So she goes and she picks up two sofas and a chair and brought him home. And she's like, Oh my God, this is perfect. She said, I just moved in. I don't have anything in my house. I was so excited. We picked it up. We brought it home and she sits down. She's like, what's that? There's something in the cushion. So she pulls the cushions out and she unzips it and looks inside and she's like, I thought it was like a heating pad or something, but there was no electrical cord. So she unzips a full cushion, opens it and discovers several envelopes. She opens the envelope $36,000 in cash (laughs) is in this sofa. So what do you can do? You, can you imagine? You she said, found I was it. just telling my son, come, come, come. I was screaming, this is money. I need to call the guy. Yeah, okay. That was my question. She, <laughs> this woman returned all of the money. And the family told them that they had discovered other cash hidden through the rest of the house, but only a few hundred dollars. And this guy that passed away hid all this money and said, here, let me give you guys a little tip. If you are stashing 
money or items of value, you gotta let somebody know. Okay. Like my mom was like, I've been saving money and I've got it hidden. And I was like, where is it? Cause uh, otherwise if you're, if you, we lose you. It's that generation that did this too. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's we had a client when I worked in investments. We had a client, and I was at her house several times. By the time we were done investing her money, it, which all came out of the walls of the house, cash, mm-hmm. it was hundreds of thousands of dollars that was oh in the walls God. of her house and the floor. She had it hid everywhere. Well, the problem with that, we finally convinced her: if your house burns down, yeah. you ain't got nothing. You know, so she finally did invest it all, uh, and probably died a very, very rich woman. But she, she, uh, yeah, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the walls. Yeah, so they ended up saying that as a because she returned it, she was like, "Hey, this is your money." They also bought her a brand new refrigerator and gave her over two thousand dollars. Good for them. All right, well, that's a happy story all the way around, right? But yeah, good for her. Good for them. She got free furniture and a refrigerator. And a refrigerator and some cash. All right, two more. This one is in Trout Run, Pennsylvania, and this is definitely weird news. I'm just going to read the story to you because there's no way that I can retell this to have it make any sense because it doesn't make sense now. State police at... Montoursville State Police at Montoursville say they're looking for a suspect who stole from a residence in Lewis Township. The unknown suspect broke into an apartment on Truman Street sometime before May 20th when the victim discovered that her five pound bag of Mrs. T's pierogies were missing. The bag is valued at $10 and the suspect also caused Ten dollars of damage to drywall in the kitchen, and the police are looking for you. Give the woman back her pierogies, for God's sake. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do we have to end, Glenn? Oh, we were going to be so good without Oklahoma and Florida today. (laughs) Today, we're going to end in Florida. I know it's weird. Okay, picture this. It's a warm June evening. It's at the Mineral Springs Motel in North Springs, Florida. And uh, there's a a maintenance man. His name is Ray's Shot. He's having a smoke break in the motel courtyard at midnight. And down, there's like a shell path that winds around through the courtyard. And uh, he sees a dog. And it, it's like it's like a, a dog that's on a long leash. And it's coming from under the bushes. What does is, what is Mr. Uh, Shot do? He does nothing. He just kept on smoking. Except he decides to get up. He's like, all right, I'm done. Get back to work. And he walks right down the path. Now we're concerned about the dog. Yeah, it was dark out, Ray. It's dark. It's not a dog. You're in Florida. What happens? He gets half of his leg bit out by the fact that it's a freaking alligator. An alligator is in the courtyard and he's like, just, I'm just going to have a smoke break and go back to work. Turns out it was too late when he realized it was a gator. It ripped a chunk of tissue off of his right leg. They ended up having to call a sergeant and he jumped in the middle on the back of that gator, folded him up, taped him into a ball. He's Florida people, man. They're bad. A like, what is happening? If we talked to Wendy. You weren't here. Wendy has a company that removes the alligators from her pond. Yeah, they show up. And, and it's wonder how they show up. Your pond's not near anything else, you know, and, and yet the alligators still arrive somehow. It goes on to say that uh, there are 1.3 million gators in 67 counties of Florida. And... Uh, there are no, quote, less populated areas for alligators. It says here, everywhere a gator can live, a gator does live. There are that many gators. 
Uh, yeah. My old neighborhood, they would show up every once in a while, and it's like, does a bird drop them here? I mean, how do they get here? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it was in the courtyard, so like it had to get into the courtyard. Think about that. Weird. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Thank you, everybody. Oh, but, for wait, 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 wait. I, got it. I, I am so sorry. I did not tell you that these weird news stories, by the way, I had 10 million of them because it's two weeks worth. April, Cynthia, Laureen, Allison, Jenny, Aaron, Debbie, Nikki, JoLynn, Glenn, and I both found them. Danielle and Rochelle all sent me weird news stories. And I'm sorry if I forgot anybody else. Love you guys. Mean it. Thank you for contributing to this awesome segment. We appreciate it. And we'll be still here for an Auditor Post show in a few minutes. Uh, to, now, for the rest of the week, uh, we're dark tomorrow. And then we do have a replacement show, finally, for the third Thursday of the month, starting next month. We'll talk about that. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we'll have shows again. And also, Friday, we're going to have a best of for you, because we were all supposed to be in California. And Glenn's uh, just going to be on the microphone coughing. I'm going to be yeah, just gonna be <laughs> by myself coughing. And then and hopefully Monday we bring you some interviews from Flag is Up Farm on Monday's show. But that's it for this week. Thank you so much, everybody. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you. Listen, all. if I tell you nothing else, bring back the pierogies. Okay? <laughs> I just want the pierogies back. Spade Nutter Gallon, everybody. My quote of the day, the best preparation for tomorrow is doing your best today. forgot your quote i almost did <clears throat> auditors thank you uh thank you for playing along and making monday's show so fun <laughs> with all of your your arguments about washing or not washing some of you are just disgusting i'm just gonna throw that <laughs> those are my people <laughs> apparently i love the two i think two or three people were like i have them done every week and by the way, I have a cleaning lady who does it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote down the names of everybody who doesn't wash ever, and we're not stopping there on the next road trip. <laughs> I have a blacklist of places we're not going on the next. Are I'm just kidding, everybody. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we bypassed Jamie's house. <laughs> but see, see now you all know why we bring our own bed. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so you have drama. What, what's your drama? What's going so, on? So just real quick, uh, today Lucas was supposed to get in the car and drive down to Dallas. Lucas is on a baseball team, and there was oh, one yeah. kid on a baseball team that he became <laughs> friends with, and they invited him to go down to Dallas, which is like a three-hour drive, head down to Dallas and go to the Texas Rangers game, oh, that's cool. which is at 1 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, that awesome. And then they'll said, we'll pick him up at nine and we'll bring him home at nine. Perfect. Well, they had the all-star game over the weekend, which by the way, my kid was an all-star. Thank you. Uh, so all-star game is other kid was also an all-star. And so they're starting the game and there is, it is full sun. The only shade is right next to the dugout. There's like a little bit of shade being cast. So every parent is standing in this, like maybe 20 by six shady little tiny spot. Okay. And the gent, the guy who's the dad of the kid who's supposed to take Lucas to the baseball game is talking to his dad and I, 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 because I'm literally standing 30 inches from them, the, the, we'll, we'll call him grandpa and dad. And then we get kid. Okay. So grandpa's like, Hey, I really, you know, want to take kid to uh, another, an, on a trip. And dad is like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Dad, you know, and he's like, well, I need to buy the ticket. So I need to know. And dad goes, well, you're not going to take son on this trip. And grandpa's like, why? I don't understand why. Now, mind you, there is a dugout full of children that are all on the all-star team. Nobody knows anybody else. Okay. It is full sun. It is super hot. Dad and grandpa proceed to get in a fight. Like fist fight? Fists. Oh, no. F words. You mother. Wait, we're in the post show, right? Yeah. You motherfucker, you were the shittiest dad ever. Oh I am not God. fucking letting my kid fucking go with you anywhere. Children everywhere. Oh of the God. eight, six to eight. 
years old, six to nine. What did the other parents do? Nobody wants to get in the middle of that. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm I, and I'm 30 inches away, and I'm like, oh god, oh god. And, well, then, and wife for those comes that don't out. know, Jamie stands five foot two in a good day. So I mean, there's wife comes out. <laughs> wife ends up jumping on dad. And wrestling with him to get him away. Grandpa is screaming. Brother comes over and brother starts screaming at dad for calling grandpa shitty. And it becomes a family row. All right. It is a row. What were the kids doing? Running? (laughs) At this point, the coach who doesn't know these people because it's an all-star team. It's just like two kids from every team is like, hey, kids, we're in. We're going to take the field. They're like, the game doesn't start for half an hour and it's super hot. Get out on the field. Fuck you, dad. Fuck you, son. Dad, wife is jumping on the guy. This is Oklahoma, okay? All right, y'all. This is like some major shit going down at the thing. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm I'm going to get, you know, what do you do when dogs break up, you know? You break up dogs with a water hose. So I'm walking in oh, to get no. my son's water <laughs> bottle to spray it on him. And then I'm like, you know what? Then my kid's not going to have any water. That doesn't seem fair. They've all <laughs> gone out in the field. I'm just going to let this play out. And then mentally I come to realize, holy shit. This is the dad who's supposed to take my son. Ooh. For 12 hours in two, three days. So Chad comes over. The and, no. I mean, it's all of this shit going on. Oh, Chad was there too? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he was out on the field. He took the kids out on the field. He comes back. They're still fighting. And everybody's trying to get them to go away. I mean, at this point, there's like 10 people surrounding him like, take it outside. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. They probably end up making their way 15 feet further. And they're still yelling cuss words. I mean, this fight went on 20 minutes. Oh I God. can't believe no police were called. And I look it's at Oklahoma, Chad and I'm we don't like, call the police. <laughs> exactly. You handle you. I mean, I'm like, there's some I'm just deep glad shit weapons going didn't come here. out. Well, it was father and son, like but father still. and grandpa. Like and and I turned to Chad and I'm like, wait a second. Isn't that the guy that's supposed to take our kid on a trip? And he goes, Chad looks at me and he goes, it was <laughs> anymore. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Poor, I'm a, so, kid. Oh my God. So the wife, <clears throat> the, so they finally get out and the game starts and the game gets played and all these things. And he's back over the grandpa's gone. Dad's over watching the game. Grandpa's sitting on the opposite side of the field. Everybody's still there. It's still hot. There's still tension. Wife comes up to me. <laughs> Don't worry. Grandpa's not going to be on the trip with us to, to uh, Dallas. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. And all I could think of was like, what if he gets cut off in traffic? Yeah. What is he going to do if somebody cuts in front of him in the beer line? Like, absolutely. No fucking way am I letting my kid get in the car. What did you say? Crazy person. And I said. Ha, yeah, it looks like there's some pretty deep uh, stuff going on there. Yeah, okay. And then we get in the car, and we're like, what are we going to do? Because I wasn't going to add fuel to that fire. <laughs> she, she, she didn't jump you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what are we going to do? And so Chad's like, okay, I got to come up with a plan. <laughs> but there's no way they can expect me to have seen that. And put it, and had to have come up to me and be like, "Well, your grandpa's not going to be there, so it'll be fine." And so the next morning, Chad's like, mm, "Tags him. This is Monday, and is super nice. He's like, there's so there's such nice people until like I don't know, they got mad." I was like, uh, "So, oh, Chad texts him. He's like." Thank you for the offer of traveling with you Wednesday. I think we're going to pass this time. If you've already bought the tickets, we'd be happy to, you know, pay for them. <laughs> You know who suffers in this is their poor child. Oh, I know. No, that's a you know what I mean. You know that's just the sad part of this whole thing. No, it's awful. It's awful. And I will find a way to get that kid over to my house because I know he's safe at my house. I mean, we have a kid that's spending basically spending the entire summer with us now because I know she's going to be safe here. And yes, I do feed her and take care of her and clothe her and take her on activities and I pay for everything. But I know she's safe with me as opposed to an alternative place that she could be. Yeah, I mean, that's just sad so, for the kid. Uh, yeah. Because so he has I'm to put up with that every day. Bring all the babies. 
Bring all the babies to my house. I'll feed them all the This reminds me, did you see the video that was going crazy on Instagram and stuff of the wedding in one of the countries in Europe, I don't remember where, Pakistan or someplace, um, where the bride and groom are on stage, and then uh, apparently they're playing some kind of game. It was not in English, so I don't know. They're playing some kind of game, and the bride wins, and he hauls off and hits her. What? Right no, in front of you have to tag me in that. Everybody's there. He hauls off and hits her in the face, closed fist. Okay. Well, uh, and he stands there like nothing's wrong. The bridesmaids bring her off, and they continue like nothing's wrong. Oh. Can you imagine if it was your daughter and Chad witnessed that? <laughs> but this God, is he... other countries where sometimes, you know, you got to put the woman in their place. Yeah, and that's exactly <laughs> apparently what happened. But if he's hitting her in front of everybody, imagine what's happening a, a, away oh, from her. Oh, that poor girl. I know. I just, it was it was awful. I mean, I watched it because it's Instagram. Never mind, don't tag me in it. Yeah, uh, it's Instagram real, so it, things come up, you know, they just yeah. pop up and you, you watch a whole bunch in a row and then you see stuff you don't really want to see. But that was one I didn't really want to see. But uh, it, just like, oh my God, are you kidding? There's, I just can't imagine. First of all, if I hit, I hit Jennifer like that, I'd be dead. <laughs> if you hit Jennifer like that, there'd be two hits. You hit her and then you hit the ground. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you hit a horsewoman like that, you're in trouble. <laughs> just, oh, uh, But yeah, so anyway, nothing like bringing down the post show. Uh, all right, well, mine was funny, sort of. <laughs> sorry, you made it not me. funny. All right, I got to go. I got to take my horse to the vet. You got to bring your one. kid to Dallas today to watch yeah. a game. I know. He's like, I don't understand why we can't go. And I was like, well, uh, yeah, that's okay. I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm going to like, like be honest with them, but I was like, just so you know, his he had no clue that this was going on, which is fantastic that they the coach and them are so quick getting them on the field uh, that they didn't see any of it, and they put their back, they like line up, you know, their backs to the whole thing on the outfield. That was smart on the coach. Yes, part. <laughs> yes, the coach and the coach's wife. Because they're awesome. all volunteers, right? The coaches. Yep, yeah. yep. And Chad was out there, and they were like, "Come on, kids, let's go. Line up, facing me." You know, like the whole thing. So they didn't even know. And I just said, "Like, hey, buddy, his dad showed a lot of bad behavior, and I feel bad for the kid, but I'm, I'm not gonna." feel comfortable with you. I, I I was like, Lucas, I only have one of you and I'd like to keep you around. Plus I'm leaving town tomorrow and I want to see you all day. I love you. <laughs> there you go. That works. <laughs> and they forget that pretty quickly. He's fine. He's, he's totally fine now. He's got his other friend here. He's good to go. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it. All right. Bye.